A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. I hope you are all doing well because I have a treat for you today. We have a testimony story. So joining me today is Tanya from Mother at the Well. You can find her on Instagram, and she's here today to tell us about her story. So thank you so much for being here, Tanya. I appreciate it. Hey, Amber. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to, to jump right in and, and spread the good news of the faith. Oh, me too. I think it's so important because we kind of started this because I posted something on my story and then you told me about your uh, testimony briefly and I was like, oh my gosh, people need to hear about this because I think so many people are struggling with something similar or have gone through something similar. So I think it's going to be a really inspiring story. Um, But before we get started, did you want to tell the listeners a little about yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Tanya. I am a mom of three. I have a 14-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-month-old. So kind of going through all the seasons of life all at the same time. Um, busy. But busy. I, yeah, very busy. Um, I live in uh, Florida um, off the Emerald Coast, and um, I'm a recent revert as of 2022. So, mm. It's been a yeah. year. Woo. It's been a year. Very exciting and growth-filled year for sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's always like that. God's like, oh, yeah, come back. And then it's just like, now you have all this to do. And it's like, okay, God, I love you. Right. Putting a lot of trust in his hands lately. So, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So our topic today is your testimony. I know it's kind of hard to pick like a place to begin about that because it's kind of like you almost have to go back to the very beginning. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I grew up Catholic. Um, I, you know, did my first communion. I participated in CCD um, all up in like the early 2000s. So I would say that I was more of a cultural Catholic, um, meaning like I had pretty poor catechesis. Like I wasn't, I had like an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I definitely didn't understand why I believed in what I believed at a very young age. So I actually fell from faith because of that. Like I fell from it because I had poor catechesis and, you know, I kind of had like personal offenses with other Catholics um, and compounding trauma at a young age. So at a very, like, I think one thing that I struggled with at a very young age was recognizing that we're a church of sinners, right? So we all, you know, come together and I, I struggled with differentiating between people of the church and the church. Um, so when I was 10 years old, actually, I, um, you know, kind of had my life shooken or, you know, kind of the rug pulled out from underneath me because I actually, my cousin actually committed suicide. So at 10 years old, I was, you know, kind of like, whoa, why would someone do that? And, you know, I didn't understand, you know, where his soul was and some of the the nuances that, you know, go into someone who, you know, commits suicide. And, at the same time, you know, our family was ridden with death. Um, we had, you know, death, probably a funeral every, like three funerals a year, just compounding over time. So by the time I was 16, I actually had been to over 10 funerals. Um, wow. So just a very like 
crash course in the life, you know. Um, and it was the same time where the scandals of the church were were picking up, the divorce rates were skyrocketing. Um, so from my parents' perspective, you know, the horrors of the world were just on showcase. Um, and they just, they didn't know how to navigate through it all, especially with the compounding deaths that were happening. Um, mm. So I rebelled and I rebelled really hard. So I, I saw attention from boys. I started drinking. I started doing drugs. I lost my virginity at a young age. Um, so all of these things that I felt like, oh, I'm worthless in the eyes of God, like, you know, just keep going and keep, um, you know, rebelling. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. So, you know, throughout actually like middle school and high school, which is crazy to realize now as like, I'm 30 years old, like, wow, I was so young and I was so lost, but just a gradual death of my spirit, um, like a complete spiritual detachment that I, I, you know, was only worsened by my sins and like the lack of understanding that I had of the sacraments. Um, and sprinkled, sprinkled throughout, like, you know, my childhood, there was moments of revival, right, of spiritual revival that the spirit would reach out to me. But, you know, it was always kind of like wrapped around boys. Um, yeah. And it was never like truly like for me. Um, it was always like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But because like, I, you know, maybe you'll date me <laughs> kind right. of thing. Um, so like, yeah, throughout my childhood and my teenhood, I struggled a lot with some of these complex questions that no one could answer them for me. And I just felt really lost. And I struggled a lot with, you know, depression and suicidal tendencies and, you know, just felt like completely detached. Um, and, you know, life, you know, kind of went on and I, you know, was cleaning up my act a little bit. <laughs> Um, because through a high school, there was actually like three, there was a two more people who committed suicide. And I was just like, okay, something is like, like something's bad. It's going on here. Right. I'm seeing my friends drinking. I'm seeing them like, you know, doing hard drugs and that they're continuously falling and life's not getting better. So I actually like tried to steer my life as best as I could, um, you know, towards God. And there were some moments, um, that, you know, I did so, and that's actually where, um, I met well, I reconnected with my now husband. Um, so funny story there. Um, I reconnected with him um, and he was a neighbor. So we actually grew up with each other. Um, but but <laughs> I know I love I love that, <laughs> that we were, grew up together. He's like my childhood crush and now he's my husband. But when we started discerning, like I started discerning dating him. I mean, he was he was a single dad. Um, he had a kid at 19 and, you know, being a semi-practicing Catholic at the time, it was like a big red flag. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to date him. Um, and I, I just had this, you know, voice like him. And it was like, I was like, okay, I know I've been to confession. I know I received a Eucharist. Like, are you sure it's him? Because like everything tells me that it shouldn't be him. Right. right. But he had like some qualities about him that were like, just not founded in other guys. Um, and I took a leap of faith and we started dating and, um, and I immediately fell in love with in him and his son. Um, and actually his son, my stepson now was actually the reason why we kind of took a serious journeying of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, at ages like six or seven, he started asking us questions about God and, you know, together we, so we were unequally yoked for sure <laughs> being in a relationship, but, um, I felt like my stepson was the one who was like, Hey, who's God? And kind of softened our hearts and was trying to get us to, you know, bring him to church, talk to him more about some of these uh, topics um, from a theological standpoint. 
and, you know, we are stubborn. We were stubborn. We were wanted our own, you know, ways. We wanted to succumb to our own vices. We wanted to cohabitate. We wanted to do all the things that we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, and slowly yet surely, like every, every couple of months, my stepson would ask us more and more about God. And I started like getting like kind of, you know, anxious mm-hmm. about like, okay, if this, if I'm supposed to be a, mo- a role model to, to him as a stepmother and we're avoiding our faith and teaching him that, then that's like, you know, shame on me in a way um, from keeping that from him. So, you know, long story short, we, we jumped around churches. We, you know, we went from, you know, Protestant churches to non-denominationals. We went to a Baptist church. We, we kind of like went shopping, if you will. Mm, Um, And we were just constantly, you know, disappointed. Um, And then COVID hit naturally. So that's where everyone kind of stopped going to church. Um, That's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like such a hard time because like, that was right after we had got married and we found a church community. So we thought, and then COVID hit and then everyone was like radio silent. Mm. And so we were like kind of at, at a loss. Right. Um, so we ended up packing our bags and moving to Florida and resetting our faith. Um, you know, we still had high doubts from, you know, poor experiences with other believers, but we still had this thirst that we, we couldn't get rid of. Um, and, you know, being kind of isolated, really forced us to kind of look in the mirror and, you know, we were kind of struggling after the move, um, just within, within our personal selves or personal goals. Uh, We knew that we weren't living in accordance to God, but we didn't know where to start. Um, and I actually like, I was at like a complete like low where I just gave up and I prayed the only prayers that I knew, which is the hail Mary, the, our father, the glory be. Um, and I, I actually asked God, I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, I'm, I don't hear you anymore. Um, and it scares me. Um, you know, I pray for your divine intervention, please, you know, help. I invite Mm -hmm. you, I invite you at, um, into the depths of our marriage and just, please just answer this prayer. And a couple months go by, I don't hear anything. And out of nowhere, my husband says, I got to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, you know, what, what could possibly, you know, be going through his head. And he said, I think, I think we're supposed to be Catholic. And I was like, what? Cause he grew up Baptist. And right. I was like, just what are like, you talking um, about? Excuse me. Hey, did I just hear you? Right. You know, cause like I had my, you know, foolish, you know, uh, apprehensions of the faith. Cause I didn't know anything. Like I didn't know I had bad catechesis. I didn't, a lot of people I didn't do. understand. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. understand anything. I'm like, what are you talking about? And when he gave me his reasoning, it was as if Jesus completely took over him. Like you'd have to know my husband at the intimate level that I do Mm -hmm. for him to just speak on things like list out. This is why I think that we should be Catholic. This is why I think that we're experiencing some of the, the heartbreaks within you know, our marriage. This is why I feel like, you know, we feel unsatisfied in this area of our life. Um, these are some of the things that I want to fix. And I think that will help fix, you know, other issues. In our, and I was just, I immediately started crying. It felt like, it felt like Jesus himself was speaking through Ryan. Um, and it gave me chills like up and down because I, if, again, if you knew my husband, if you knew, like, it's not normal for him to speak like that. I was like, okay, someone's taking over your body. (laughs) 
a good kind of possession. Yeah, a good kind. (laughs) And I was just, I was at a loss for words and it shook me so much my cord where it was like, he has told me everything that I have done and he still loves me. Um, And I was like, wow, okay, so God is real. Jesus is real. Asking for intervention is real. um, And I'm going to follow my husband and like, you know, go towards the path of the path of Catholicism, which is hilarious because like, again, we grew up in a secular environment. We we could have anything that we wanted. We could succumb to any vice that we wanted to. Like there was literally no reason, no categorically. um, It doesn't make sense for us to like desire to right. like you know to convert and so he did and I think he you know he will joke around and say that he was trying to disprove um Catholicism that he actually was like oh wait this nope I can't disprove it tell <laughs> <It's laughs> um, how that works <laughs> so he um he started RCIA and then I told him you know flat out I said look I have a history of succumbing to religious beliefs because of men. I know you're my husband, but I want to study this on my own. So I kind of like stiff armed him and was like, I want to learn at my own pace. I want to come to my own, you know, conclusions and, you know, and then work through them together. And that's exactly what we did. So uh, he got confirmed in the Easter vigil of last year and my stepson got baptized and confirmed. That's Um, beautiful. Yeah. And uh, through the journey, it has been oh my goodness, just so awakening and alive at the same time. Um, like it, I can't, I can't put it to, to words. It was, it's just, I'm just at a loss of, of how much our lives have transformed since then. Um, and oh, I find that's myself. Beautiful. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. And it's amazing. And it's relatable, especially today. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who are poorly catechized. There are so many that come from broken families. There's so many that come from a background of sex before marriage and drugs and alcoholism and all of this. And the thing is, is that society pushes it. Even if you don't have any prior trauma necessarily, if you go to college, it's because of the parties these days. It's not necessarily for the actual education. If you're in high school, they're doing drugs. Like, There's mm-hmm. really no escaping it in today's society. But as you kind of grew and learned, and then of course, you know, leave it to the kids to ask the hard questions. And then your husband was like, "Mm, actually, I think we should do this. (laughs) It's like, it's so crazy. How have you seen the change being Catholic in your own life over the last year and like your family? How has it kind of changed you guys? Oh my goodness. So, um, well, so when I went to my first confession, after it had been, you know, 12 years, the amount of weight that was lifted immediately was mm-hmm. just profound. I mean, it was, I cannot describe how much like, you know, anxiety that I've been carrying so much sadness that I've been carrying that was immediately lifted. Um, so for starters like that, like something that I was so afraid of, I'm like running to a uh, confession every week. Like, I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's amazing. It really is. Um, I would say that um, our nothing has changed, but everything has changed, if that makes sense. Just the way that we view things is just so different. Um, we're slowly yet surely realigning our entire lives to align with the faith. Um, so everything is stemmed off of, you know, Sunday. Um, so because we make Sunday 
a holy day, um, everything bleeds into that. So like mm -hmm. we're starting to do, you know, liturgical living, we're reading more, um, you know, books on theology where, you know, everything about our decision-making is constantly being checked in with God of like, okay, what do you think about this? And we're kind of like putting a pause and then we're waiting to see, you know, we're not as impulsive. Um, we've definitely grown closer in our marriage. We've grown closer with our children. I feel like we've become, you know, better, um, parents, um, just in terms of like, you know, communication, offering more grace, more patient, because we have realized the necessity of a childlike dependency to God. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that, that dynamic has helped us, you know, be better parents. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of changes that have happened that, you know, if you were to like, ask me or tell me three years ago, this is what your life would look like. I'd be like, there's no way I'm listening to Gregorian <laughs> chants on the way to confession. Uh, and then it's like the next thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, the next thing, you know, so yeah, That's it's so definitely, crazy. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. you know, and it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy in general, just learning. Cause we, I think a lot of people don't believe miracles happen these days, but mm -hmm. it's like, this is a miracle. You know, the fact mm -hmm. that you went from, your life of living in, you know, habitual mortal sin to coming to Christ and not just that, but also like, you know, your whole family. I mean, mm -hmm. that's not that that's super rare, but I know plenty of Catholics who converted or reverted and their spouse still hasn't or their kids are mm -hmm. fighting them on it. And so for you guys to make that decision as a family is so beautiful. And what would you what would you say to your younger self? Like if you could go back to like your teens and everything, what would you say to her? Oh my goodness. Well, there's probably a laundry list, but <laughs> <laughs> um I would say uh, that your family resides in the holy family. Um I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that I had a mother and Mary younger. I wish I knew that I had, um, you know, an example in real life um, of what like a, a perfect Holy Family looks like. Like obviously growing up Catholic, you hear about the Holy Family often, but I didn't realize that there was, you know, things that you can learn about and dive into. Um, right. But I wish I, I wish I knew that at a younger age for sure. Um, yeah. I definitely think it's important. And the poor catechesis is something we see a lot today. I... Mm -hmm babysit for a lot of families. And I also taught CCD uh, for a little bit at a church for sixth graders. And I was teaching them like the basics, you know, we were teaching them about Bible stories and we we're teaching about the 10 commandments and normal things that, you know, fifth and sixth graders would need to learn. And there was only one girl who knew anything really mm -hmm. some of the kids knew stuff because we just went over the readings and they memorized it and stuff but if i were to go in there and i was like okay did you guys do your reading this week and they were just like mm, you know because yeah you know i don't blame the kids at all because the parents are the ones who have that responsibility to help their children grow in the faith and give them that example like you were saying mm -hmm. which kind of pushed you to be a better parent you know it's the parents uh, you know, responsibility. So the kids aren't, you know, at, at all to blame, but I, I'll talk to the parents afterwards. I don't think enough CCD teachers talk to the parents afterwards and are like, hey, you know, are you going over with your kid like these prayers? Like, are right. you sitting down with them? Um, and there was only one girl and you could tell her parents really put in a lot of time and effort. 
mm-hmm. to take her to mass, to take her to classes, to watch, you know, Catholic content with her because she knew almost every answer to everything. And I'm like, okay, you're way above <laughs> where you should be. And then the there's some girls that I babysit, you know, um, there's a few families I babysit for. And there's like two little girls and they know nothing about their faith. They're, um, they're a little older now. They're probably like eight or nine. And the youngest is probably around like seven. And they don't even know the Hail Mary or the Our Father. There's no Mm. religious, you know, art anywhere in their house, but their mother teaches CCD. And Mm. so it's so interesting to me that she'll put so much effort into these other kids' religious education, but they, she won't put it into her own kids. And it could be like, the kids just don't want to do it. But, you know, it's just crazy to me. Actually, that's a good question is how do you help your kids grow in their faith? Since, you know, you have a team. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my toddler, um, (laughs) she is, she's, I apologize if anyone ever witnesses her her in the, um, at church where we're definitely trying. Um, but (laughs) she's adorable. um, (laughs) But, uh, so we do, we, I did purchase the liturgical living, um, uh, book. I think it's by, um, Catholic all year. Oh, I love Um, that book. Yes. And so I've, I've slowly yet surely kind of started implementing, um, just celebrating feast days whenever we remember, you know, um, but with my toddler specifically, I, um, we go to mass every Sunday. Um, and you know, sometimes we're, we, sometimes we start off in the cry room. Um, but then we all always try to just be in the pews as much as possible, just so that she can understand like what's happening. So definitely going to mass every Sunday, um, practicing the, or doing liturgical living, um, exercises, um, you know, crafts, what have you, it's very fun for her to, um, you know, create an edible rosary for the mm-hmm. month of the rosary. Um, fun. uh, and pretty much like investing any free time that we have towards it. So like if there is, if it's a nice day out, I try, I take her by the church and we walk and there's like a Mary garden and we'll go and, and we'll just visit Mama Mary is what we say. And then um, whenever there's bells, we're saying, oh, there, you know, and every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings or, you know, <laughs> just constantly immersing our entire like lifestyle into it. Um she li- listens to Catholic CDs about saints. We talk about guardian angels. Um and um, we we pray every night before bed. We try to remember in the morning when it's super chaotic, but um, lots of like, I don't know, ex- excitement around the faith and seeing that it's an exciting thing to incorporate and how much joy that, you know, we end up having when we focus our life um, around, around the faith. Um, so t- definitely tons of like resources that, you know, that I actually do with her, but with our oldest, um, my husband is point on that one. Cause my, my son is, is, uh, he's 14, but he is obsessed with, with this stuff. I mean, he's Beautiful. reading, he's reading the, what's the book called the early Catholic father or the, or, I can't remember, but, um, I mean, he's look, listening to Trent Horn. He's listening to Scott Horn. He's reading all of these books at a very young age. And I think by like the way that my husband helps him is, um, learning how to, one, um, defend the faith, mm-hmm. uh, meaning like, you know, understand scripturally, if you're going to believe in something, something, you better be able just to defend it scripturally. Um, so he's been helping him in that regard. Like if we are taking the sacraments and we're saying that we believe in the sacraments, here's a scripture that aligns with why we believe in what we believe. I see. And then, um, so being able to defend the faith and then, um, also just being prepared to answer some of the 
questions or the criticisms that he may receive at a young age. So that's something that I remember as a young, as a young one in high school, like when the scandals were happening, people would, you know, peers would call us names, would, you know, say, tell us what we believed in and what we didn't actually believe in. So helping fuel him to be a one, defend the faith, but also know how to uh, debate properly, you know, and it's really important. Yeah, especially like at a young age, because like kids are always arguing on comments and like on social media and stuff. But then by us teaching him how to argument, like how to argue in a fruitful way, Hmm. that way he can decipher whether or not the conversation is fruitful or if it's just your you could just ignore, you know, how how to go like how just ignore that person entirely, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely feel that because I I always said that the fruitful arguments are questions. I'm like, if you can ask questions and you can get people to think about what they're saying to you, usually Mm -hmm. they don't actually believe what they're saying to you. They just want to win an argument. And that's like not a fruitful way of winning. So that's awesome. Yeah. And that can be discouraging for him if he doesn't understand how to how to um, respond to behaviors Mm. um, at a young age. So it's definitely like a work in progress. But I mean, I got to hand it to him. This kid is like obsessed with it. He loves it. but he, he's, um, he, I don't know. I'm just excited to see like, as a 14 year old, I wish I had that. I wish I had that, like, you know, excitement for the word excitement for the truth and be able to articulate what I believed in without any doubts. Um, and I definitely see that he's taking on that path. Right. And I think that's really important. I think parents need to hear that too, is like you, I feel like a lot of parents try to baby their kids you know, they try to keep them from like the bad parts of the faith, so to speak, but like they're not bad parts, they're important parts, specifically like mm-hmm. suffering, martyrdom, all of those things are so important for kids to understand. But because parents are like, well, my kid could do no wrong, which is, you know, I get that, like being a parent, you want to, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're still human beings, we're still susceptible to sin. It doesn't matter if it's your kid or a stranger on the street, like they're going to run into some of this stuff and it's best to prepare them for it. Um, And the church, I think, does a not so great job of that. I've noticed as a CCD teacher and as somebody who has watched Catholic kids grow up, um, many of them are into things that are not Catholic because they're, you know, they're poorly catechized. And I was there, you were there, so many people were Mm -hmm. there. And I think, you know, there really needs to be a movement for better catechesis. Um, Yes. It's one of the reasons why I loved Archbishop Fulton Sheen so much. And he needs to be, like, he needs to be canonized already. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's too long. Um, But I loved him because he had a way of reaching people that nobody else was able to do. And he had this charismatic nature where he was willing to speak conviction and he was willing to speak truth but he still had a humor about him he had a way of delivery where people felt convicted but they felt loved at the same time Mm -hmm. and i feel like we've really lost that um type of personality in the church and we need we need someone like that back Oh, for sure. And just like, and I love like this movement of practicing more reverence and treating this like that it is a real thing, you know, um, like a Eucharistic revival, mm. a belief in the in the sacraments. Like it is very discouraging as, um, you know, young, young Catholics, meaning like we're still like, you know, we're on year one. So it might as well be freshmen in terms of our catech, like as far as Catholics go. But then you walk into a parish and half the congregation's on their cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it's like, 
I, I agree that like, you know, having gone to mass, you know, when I was a young child and had felt like the fear of Lord and the fear of God instilled in me mm -hmm. to where I was like afraid to make any move um, to now complete and utter like non like just don't care about what stands in front of them, um, what is like it presented in front of them. And that's really hard you know, to, you know, bring our kids every Sunday too to a place where, you know, half, if not more of the congregation does not believe in the true presence. Um, and that's kind of like why, like, at least like myself and my husband, but specifically my mission with like the mother at the well is to say, you know, with poor catechesis, you know, poor understanding of the the sacraments, it is a guarantee that your child will fall from the faith. It is a guarantee mm -hmm. that they will have suffering based off their own free free will and their own decisions. And there's a lot of things like negatives that go along with that. I mean, it is a miracle. We want to talk about miracles. It's a miracle that my husband and I are alive with how, how far we rebelled because his story, his testimony is, is very similar um, to mine, but um, it's just, a, if, if we don't want our children to, to, to fall from faith, if we want what's best for them, then as parents, we have to take that personal responsibility and be able to defend the faith and know why we're defending it. And I think that's, what's intimidating to adults. Like, mm. where do I start? How do I, I, should I know this? Should I actually believe in the true presence? And if I right. don't, then what's wrong with me? Um, and having no shame in that. If you're, if you find yourself in your thirties, forties, fifties, what have you, and you don't know if, if, what you believe in is the true presence. Well, let's fix that. Let's yeah. let's give you some resources for you to believe. <laughs> no, that's so true. And I think that's so important. And I really do hope that this revival brings a lot more people into, you know, true belief of the Eucharist, because that's the pinnacle of our faith. That's the whole reason we're Catholic. If we didn't have the Eucharist, none of this would make sense. Right. Um, and so that's the whole foundation on which our faith is based i mean not, obviously we have church history and scripture and everything but that is the pinnacle um and so yeah i just i completely agree and i guess just to kind of like wrap up our topic here because this has been so great what <laughs> would you say to anyone who's kind of going through that maybe they're afraid of reverting or converting maybe they're stuck in a, a sinful lifestyle what would you say to them based off your own experiences Oh man, I would say if hmm, learn about God's mercy, really understand God's mercy and what that actually means and that there is no sin, no lifestyle that cannot be forgiven with God's mercy. Um, and, and to really, it, if you haven't hit rock bottom yet, you're going to, you're going to hit it. <laughs> eventually and eventually and it's up to you to decide how much enough is enough and at any point it doesn't matter if last week you were you know i don't know doing a ouija board it doesn't matter what you think is so far from sin at any point when you say god i need you please intervene he will mm -hmm. so but you need to be ready and and able to listen um so it's never too late it's never it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed it doesn't matter any of that uh, the moment that you, you know, decide enough is enough and, and, and to dive into, into the mercy of God, I think, I think you'll be shocked to realize, you know, how much comfort you'll feel immediately. 
No, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Cause I think it'll help so many people out there who are kind of stuck in what society, yeah. what society deems is like the ideal culture, you know, and everyone's mm -hmm. depressed. Suicide rates are so high and yeah, it's like, you know, how can someone say, oh, this is the best culture when we see that it's not like yes. the fruit of it is not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I definitely think that um, this will help a lot of people. So thank you so much, Tanya, for being on yeah. here and talking to us. And where can my listeners find you one more time? Uh, Mother at the well underscore on Instagram. Um, be, you know, stay tuned for updates and all that good stuff about the ministry. So Wonderful. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. Again, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Amber. Take care. And with all of that being said, I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast episode and I'm praying for you always. I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright by the religious hippie NFP. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content. Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis. In the 20th century, a new movement from the Far East captured the Western mind. Since then, the intersection of Christianity and martial arts has generated both conflict and harmony. In between, there remains many gray areas. In my new book, Jesus in the Dojo, I combine timeless theology with modern catechesis to provide a clearer path of reconciliation between the Christian faith and the practice of martial arts. You can find my book, Jesus in the Dojo, available now at most booksellers.